there's an estimated 28 couples awaiting for every baby that's available for adoption in the United States. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? My name is Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, I speak with Katie Klein, who is one of the co-founders of the National Registry for Adoption, which is a nonprofit that specializes in embryo adoption. So for those of you that don't know what that is... You are just like me. I had no idea what it was before we did this interview. And uh, that is the very first thing that we will tackle is what exactly embryo adoption is. Um, The rest of the interview, we will be detailing like different ins and outs of the whole process of embryo adoption. And we will also kind of compare and contrast embryo adoption from traditional adoption, from in vitro fertilization and other ways that couples that are struggling to have children themselves could have children. So, uh, All in all, I'm really happy that this is something that I learned about. I think it's an awesome thing that we are able to do now, and it's great to have Katie on the show to be able to introduce it to all of us. So without further ado, here is Embryo Adoption. Katie, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me here, Blake. I can't wait to meet your half-hour intern audience. Yeah, for sure. We can't wait to meet you as well. So I am incredibly interested to interview you. Uh, We talked a little bit before the show and you mentioned how few people know about uh, embryo adoption at all. Like even know that it's a thing, let alone what it is and everything. I definitely fall into that camp of people that doesn't know anything about it. So I can't wait to learn. So why don't we start there? Just what is embryo adoption? Well, the basics of embryo adoption are, first of all, what's an embryo? And an embryo is the result of infertility treatments where a husband and a wife will go to a doctor because they can't get pregnant and the doctor will help take the mom's eggs and the dad's sperm and they'll create embryos and then they'll put some into the mom and maybe she has kids. An embryo adoption and donation is the situation where let's say you've had 12 extra embryos. Well, I don't know anyone today who wants to have 12 kids. So you have this embryo in frozen storage, and you can actually donate these to people who can have children of their own. So the science is relatively new because infertility treatments has only been around, you know, 30, 40 years. And now people are realizing that these embryos can last decades in frozen storage, and they can be donated to people who can't have their own children. Okay. So question, during a typical fertility treatment like IVF and stuff, what is the what is the typical number of embryos that are getting made? Well, the doctors who run the IVF clinics, of course, want to be successful as possible. And so they try to create um, as many embryos as possible to give the mom and dad a great chance of success. I did IVF myself and I only got four embryos. Other people have done IVF and gotten, you know, 17 or 20. So it really just depends on the range of, uh, and see, I only had four embryos and I got boy and girl twins. So you don't need a ton of embryos (laughs) to maybe have a ton of kids. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) So 
in it, do they when you say they try to make as many as possible are they basically using all of your eggs to try to make embryos and then the ones that actually you know only a certain percentage of all of your eggs will become embryos right um you go through a cycle and you take all these drugs and then your body the woman's body produces eggs and you know maybe mine produce 7 and then they'll fertilize those 7 and the ones that grow and are actually dividing um, and becoming um, life are what they would call embryos and save. And that doesn't always work. Like you might fertilize 11 eggs and get five embryos, or you might fertilize 30 eggs and get 12 embryos. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, cool. Um, Okay, so why, you mentioned like IVF is the traditional method for this for a couple that would like to have a baby, why would a couple not just do IVF? Like what is the need, I guess, for embryo adoption? Well, in any sort of adoption or any sort of infertility, and maybe you don't know, but about one in eight couples experience some form of infertility. Wow, that's amazing. It is high, and it's something that we don't discuss a lot in society. And so IVF is very expensive. A round might cost between fourteen dollars or $20,000. And that's it for a chance of a baby. It doesn't necessarily mean you know it's going to work. And so uh, that's an expensive choice. Um, traditional adoption can be even more expensive. You know, you have to pay an agency maybe thirty or forty thousand dollars to attempt to get a placement. And so we have worked on trying to make embryo adoption easy and much, much less expensive. Um, at in the National Registry for Adoption, we charge waiting families just a monthly subscription fee to be on the site. I call it like the match.com of the embryo donation and adoption world because you make profiles and get online. Mm. But a woman who would do embryo adoption, she only has to... Um, find the embryos, maybe pay for a contract, and then pay a much smaller fee to a fertility clinic to do what's called a frozen embryo transfer. So embryo adoption is a way to adopt if you are struggling with infertility that maybe cost $5,000 or $3,000 versus $40,000 wow. for attempted a yeah. baby. Um, so, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to say another reason embryo adoption I wish more people knew about is that it's a way for people to be pregnant. You can watch what you're eating. You can drink healthy things, you know, and that baby is yours, guaranteed. Okay, so yeah, let's let's kind of close that loop about the embryo adoption. I just now realized that we didn't talk about that before. So this is the adoption piece, I guess, of embryo adoption is the the carrying the embryo, correct? Right. Um, so you're a couple... You can't afford to adopt. You're healthy. You can adopt embryos and have that embryo transplanted into your spouse or girlfriend or wife, and she can become pregnant with your adopted child, which is a little bit mind-blowing. Sometimes people need a second to think, you know, this is science. We're in the modern times, and you can adopt an embryo and give birth to your adopted baby. That is really, really amazing. I would love to know if you know anything more about the science behind this. Uh, Just as a side note, like you mentioned the frozen embryo transfer. So taking this embryo that's been in storage and getting it into the the adoptee uh, mother. What like how does that go down? Like how does this frozen embryo like take inside of the body? 
Well, it's really amazing. In fact, there was just a news article today that an embryo had been frozen for 24 years before a little healthy baby girl was born uh, in November. So it's entirely the, the biological genes of the creative mom and dad. So completely the genes of the person who went through IVF. But then these embryos that are extra are are frozen very carefully, and the mom-to-be will go through a series of just some inexpensive shots that help her body get ready to become pregnant. And the day that her body is ready to become pregnant, they will take those embryos and thaw them out. Usually, they'll thaw out two at a time. And if they survive the thaw and the embryologist says the embryo looks good, they will take a tiny tube and put those embryos inside mom to be and her she'll take a few drugs to help her body know like hey you're pregnant now with a 5 day old baby and that will implant in her and she will become pregnant and it's funny because when you become pregnant through IVF or through embryo adoption you're considered quote unquote 2 weeks pregnant from the first day uh, that's implanted wow. so it's just it's a miracle of life and it's a miracle of science and it's a way to help people who would love to be pregnant and can't and would love to have a baby but can't um, achieve their dreams. So in everything else from that point forward is uh, like normal, like standard, like like the a, an umbilical cord will grow and attach to the baby and all, all that kind of stuff? Everything from that point on is a completely, you know, normal pregnancy. Now, of course, if you're if you can't have a child of your own, you're probably struggling with some infertility. So you probably will stay with your specialty doctor for a few weeks and then be released to your regular pregnancy doctor. And then um, that baby is wholly yours. Your name is on the birth certificate. You are the parent. No one can come and take that child from you. Um, so it's just a blessing to those who've maybe had bad adoption placements or um, live in states where birth moms who who give up their babies for adoption have up to a year to change their minds. You know, this is, baby is yours from the moment it's put into you. Right, right. Okay, so I, man, I have, I have so many questions about this, Katie. Well, so, let's answer them. <laughs> yeah. So something I, I think about every now and then in, in sort of like a, a joking way is I think it's at the beginning of the movie 300. Uh, they show like in these like ancient Roman times and stuff like that, that if, if a baby is born and it's not like perfectly healthy, they just get rid of it. They just discard the baby. Um, to, so that way they can have like sort of like the strongest lineage and everything. And I think about this often in sort of a, a joking way with myself because I have uh, terrible asthma. I've got like really bad allergies. I've had a bunch of lung problems and I'm only 32 years old. Like I was, I was having like, I had got this fungal pneumonia when I was in my twenties and stuff. And it just makes me think like, wow, I'm lucky to be alive when I'm alive because if I was alive at any other time in history, like I just wouldn't be alive right now. Like I think the world is trying to tell me like I was just meant to be discarded as a baby or something, you know, like I, I wasn't meant to be this fully fledged adult that made it, uh, you know, through through life. I would wonder in a little bit of the same vein, if you are having trouble having your own baby is there any increased chance then um, 
of of I guess like complications and difficulties down the road after the embryo transfer compared to uh, like traditional pregnancy. Well, um, I love 300 <laughs> and I'm, I'm also grateful for things like contacts and braces and things that make our lives <laughs> right. better. Um, so if you're struggling to get pregnant and, um, for example, the woman who helped me start the national registry for adoption, and that can be hard to remember. So we started a site called prebornkids.com, which is easier to spell <laughs> prebornkids.com. She, um, and her husband kept having what's called trisomy babies, where there were too many chromosomes in the children. And so she would constantly miscarry. And so, and then I am an embryo donor and I donated to a couple and she was very young and she had bad eggs. And so she just, she did IVF four times and could not get pregnant because the genetic material from those uh, people just wasn't working to create a baby. And so embryo adoption does offer the chance of, you know, that the embryos are from people who could create embryos and that they were growing. Um, and you can meet the, talk to the families, find out their medical histories, find out about their current children. And so getting an embryo doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, but it does say that if you can't make embryos on your own, then or if let's say you have a genetic defect in your family, like heart failure or something, and you didn't want to have your own children, you could find embryos from a family and know their medical history and have a have a chance for a healthy baby. Mm, that's interesting. So sort of what you're saying is that usually if if there is a miscarriage or some sort of, of problem like that, it, it it stems from some sort of DNA issue or something with the mother or the father or when their DNA comes together to make the embryo, it's like that, that usually is what leads to problems, not just the, you know, your womb, so to speak. It could be. And so much of infertility is unexplained that I would just say, you know, if you've tried IVF and it's not working or you've, you've tried and tried to get pregnant, you know, embryo adoption is an option because you can look at the embryos and say, okay, these are grade A, these are grade B, and you can give them the best chance at life. It doesn't mean it will always work, um, but you do have a good chance at life. Okay. Now, Katie, you just casually mentioned grade A, grade B. So there's different grades of embryos? Yes, I had, um, I don't, I had two children and it was, we joke because one was rated ABA and the other was rated BCB <laughs> and both children were born and they're fine. But sometimes we joke about like, which one was the B? <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That just means what the embryo looks like when the embryologist is looking at it. Like, is it symmetrical? How many cells are there? Um, don't be discouraged. C's have been born beautiful children, too. It's just a, a way that the embryologist refers to um, embryos. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Um, all right. So you have done stuff on the donation side. Personally, you have donated your uh, embryos. So let's talk about that. What is the process for donating embryos? Well, a lot of women in America who have done IVF don't know that they can donate to a family of their choosing. And so they might have this guilt feeling of, well, I have these embryos in storage. And really your only option at that point is throw them away or quote unquote, donate them to science. And science has had a lot donated, you know, so 
those are two options. And a lot of women who've done infertility treatments, you know, they've seen these embryos become their children. And so they just have a hard time with the decision of like, well, what do I do? And we wanted to make a, a way that people could get to know a family, find out about them. Are our interests the same? Are our hobbies the same? And that's what I did. I had two extra embryos and they were perfect. And we had already had twins. And let me tell you, one set of twins is plenty for me. (laughs) That was a lot of hard work. And so I went on um, prebornkids.com and I looked through the waiting families. And I found a family where the mom-to-be was like me. She loved to throw parties. She loved Diet Coke. Um, She had a great Uh, relationship with her family. Her husband was analytical like mine. And so we developed a little relationship and I donated my embryos to her. They became her embryos. And then she did a transfer and gave birth to twin boys. Wow. So so like all your embryos are twins, basically. All my embryos are twins. And I'm just thankful that uh, I did donate them because I didn't want another set of twins. I'm already kind of crazy and I didn't need to go over the edge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, in this process, are there any qualifications that like any sort of screening, I guess, that you need to go through as a donor to even be able to donate? Like, are there things that would make you ineligible to donate your embryos? No, uh, they're not that I've ever heard of. Um, the federal government mandates that when you donate an embryo to someone else uh, from my, like a waiting family, that you've done a series of screenings because you're putting in human tissue into someone else. But you usually do these screenings as part of, sh- of your IVF treatment. They right. just want to make sure you don't have a disease or uh, my, you know, they, they just want to make sure you're not passing on some disease to someone else. And so that's really the only requirement. And usually donors have already done this as part of their IVF process, because again, the doctors want to be successful. So they want to make sure you're, they know what's going on with your system before they do uh, the process. Right, right. And I, again, in talking before, you mentioned that there were some like benefits both on the obviously on the uh, adopter side I, I can imagine there's a whole slew of benefits but also benefits for the donor being a donor yourself like what benefits would you see there being to to the donor side of things well as donors again some people have more embryos than they could possibly ever have children or they've had children and the doctor said hey you can't be pregnant again so um this is a way for you to give your embryos a chance at life and not just leave them frozen if you leave them frozen you're paying storage fees which seems odd to talk about but it's money every year and another benefit is that you can so you've You've donated, you can give your kids a chance of life, and you have the choice of knowing a lot about the children or not a lot about the children. You can be an open adoption, and my founding partner at NRFA, uh, she's gone on vacation with her donating family. And I was not comfortable with that. So I'm semi-open. I see Facebook pictures and Instagram photos, and very few people, but there is an option of just donating and not having any other information other than if the child was born or not. Hmm. And so as a donor, you have a lot of control over how much you know about the children, how much you interact with the families. Um, And then another odd thing to mention is that when you donate, 
the embryos become fully the other families, which is a hard set of paperwork to sign, to be honest, for a lot of moms and dads. It's, it's a very final signature. But the positive is, let's say a child was born with a problem and I don't know, some kind of problem, and you can't be sued for the money to take care of that child. Right, the right. The family can't say, oh, we've changed our minds. We don't want twin boys. You take them back. Um, it's funny that you would even have to mention that, but that's just the world that we're living in with litigation and everything that you always have to worry about that. Right. And so it's it's a way to um, give you peace of mind, um, give someone else a great blessing and a chance at life um, and a way to protect yourself, um, you know, from liability. And so uh, there's so many embryos in frozen storage. There's over um, 600,000. Wow. They're, they're just waiting. And I think a lot of um, them are waiting because moms and dads don't know donations an option. And I know your your listeners are millennials. They might think, oh, I'm not dealing with kids right now or whatnot. But if they would tell a friend or share our story, they could be helping someone they don't even know. Like you might not know that your friend has eight embryos in storage and right. is dying because she doesn't know what to do with them. Yeah. Um, or somebody else might be crying at night. One of my friends night. does have embryos in storage right now, so I will <laughs> definitely let her know about this. Awesome. Well, you know, you might have another friend, for example, the family I donated to, they were very young. You know, maybe they're crying at night because they can't have a child. And so if you share about embryo donation and adoption just to a few friends, you can be getting the word out to people you might not know that need it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. Is the only option on the donor side via um, old IVF patients or if if somebody just like is listening to this and they're like, damn, like I just want to donate some embryos. Can they almost like go through the process of IVF just so that they can donate embryos? Or is that like not really a thing yet? That's not a thing because to go through IVF again is very expensive. It would maybe be 14 or $15,000 to create embryos that you would want to turn around and donate. Um, but what people might be able to do is if your friend can't get pregnant and they adopt embryos, maybe you become the surrogate. You know, there's science is so crazy now. You can carry someone else's baby. Um, but the creation of IVF, IVF is just very popular and um, there's already so many embryos that need to be donated. I don't think extras need to be created at this point. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the adoption side of things. So what is the process for uh, an adopter? You've already mentioned a little bit how things go down on your website, but let's just go in more detail on that. And then just like how I asked about the qualifications for donation, I wonder if there are any qualifications that, that make you eligible or would make you ineligible to adopt uh, embryos. Well, on our site, prebornkids.com, we have no restrictions. So you can be a single mom, you can be a lesbian couple, you can be older, you can be young, um, all are welcome. And up until like very late in ages, um, you know, IVF doctors will work with moms to be. So I really feel that there's almost no restriction if you want to adopt. And I'm glad you asked about the adoption process because it's very simple in the sense that all the United States and Canada and other countries like Australia, they see embryos as they, they call it a human tissue. So it cannot be sold. Just like you can't sell your kidney, 
no one can sell their embryos to you. So no one can say, hey, pay me $20,000 and I'll give you my embryos. So on the adoption side, you just have to find the embryos either through our website or an agency. And it's a simple contract like you would maybe sell a car, but it's in writing. And once the contract is signed, um, the donors will sign something that says, you know, I forever give away my rights to these embryos. Then you will become the legal um, owners and parents of those embryos. That's why the mom's name is on the birth certificate Mm. and the dad's name too, because you are those embryos' parents. So it's basically a contract. um, And then an interesting thing is if you live far away from your donors, uh, FedEx might ship the embryos to you in tiny frozen vials. Wow. And if you don't want to ship, uh, shipping can be a little bit risky. You can fly out to, you know, your donor's clinic and and do the um, frozen embryo transfer. But when people say, well, how did my embryos get to my clinic? They might come in the mail. And to me, that's just crazy. It's so, it's just, it's so unthinkable. Like what a time we're living in technologically. If you just compare it with only like 100, 200, 300 years ago, the concept of that is just so absurd. It's really amazing. It is. I like to think, you know, your babies could arrive on your doorstep in a FedEx box. Yeah, (laughs) right. It's like we're really getting close to that whole stork thing of like the stork dropping off the baby. We're so close to that now. All right. So on the adopter side, you obviously have this huge benefit of the fact that you are getting this embryo. Like, that's amazing. Um, I know that there are also some benefits like uh, you went into a little bit of the costs and I know time is also like a, a different sort of benefit. Um, talk, I guess, more about the benefits, first of all, but then just differences in general, whether they be good or bad between embryo adoption and traditional adoption. Well, I am happy to talk about the benefits because traditional adoption is great. Um, and some of the comments we get on our website is like, well, why, why don't you just adopt a baby? And if it was just adopting a baby, that would be great and it would be so easy. But there's an estimated 28 couples awaiting for every baby that's available for adoption in the United States. Wow. So there is a fight out there for children. And some of this is, you know, positive with birth control being more available, less women are having babies that they don't want. And so adopting a baby can be hard and you might have to pay an agency for example forty thousand dollars to help you find a baby and place them with you and then at the last minute the uh, mom could decide she doesn't want to adopt the baby or she wants to give it to someone else and that's very painful and emotional for um, traditional adoption and so embryo adoption is of course much less expensive but also you get to be pregnant you get to decide what you're going to eat and drink if you want to exercise if you want to a lot of women who experience infertility want to experience pregnancy and give birth to their own child and then you know just the fact that you know when the baby will arrive you know that the baby will be yours and not going anywhere else is just I hate to talk down traditional adoption uh, because it is a wonderful thing, but I think people who think blithely like, oh, well, you can't have kids. Why don't you adopt? I don't think that they know how serious that is and how much a time investment it is, how much 
cost investment it is and how much uncertainty there is with traditional adoption and even adoption from foreign countries. I mean, one of our friends uh, adopted from Kazakhstan and had to take $10,000 in cash to bribe the judge. Uh, wow. They, you, they knew they were going to have to do it. And That's so crazy. I think when people flippantly say like, oh, well, just adopt, there's tons of babies. That's just not true. And that's yeah. another myth. There's lots that's, of babies, but there's lots of babies whose parents still want them. Even in third world countries, wherever it is, like there's a lot of babies, but they that doesn't mean that their parents don't want them. You know, like it's, yeah. That's right. Or they're, and especially in the United States, if someone gives birth, maybe an aunt will help or a grandparent. And so um, I think it's a positive that there aren't a ton of babies to adopt. I mean, that's great. Definitely. Um, but it is hard for a couple struggling with infertility to just be told, oh, well, just go adopt. Yeah. Well, sorry, it's not, not as easy as you might think. Yeah. I was reading online yesterday that right now, the average time to adopt a child born in the United States is between two and seven years on the waiting list and like getting closer to that seven year mark. And then, yeah, like you said, like going overseas doesn't do anything to like shorten that time frame. You know, it's like incredibly expensive and that time frame is just huge, you know? And if, if you're a couple and you're in your early thirties and you want, you know, you want to have kids, around now like start raising children there's a big difference between raising kids when you're 32 years old and raising kids when you're 40 years old you know or to have a newborn baby when you're 32 years old versus 40 years old you know so um yeah that all makes a lot of sense to me and so all right let's let me ask you actually ask you that what is the time frame of waiting for embryo adoption is there like a wait once you purchase or is there a wait to purchase well, I want to make it clear that you can't purchase. Uh, you can sign up on our site at prebornkids.com or you can go through an agency who has um, embryos available. The agency is going to be much more expensive, but some people want, you know, the handholding of an agency. And we've had a ton of matches on our site this year. We've probably matched uh, 40 couples. And we have donating families on our site right now who are looking for the perfect family. Now, some of that's going to be if someone picks you. So we encourage you when you create a profile to write really about yourself personally, because it's easier to pick someone. For example, it was easier for me to pick a friend who loved to throw parties and love Diet Coke and and love to eat Mexican food. That was easier for me to pick her than just saying, oh, well, she's five, seven and has brown hair. You know, yeah. you want to make your profile so that people can relate to you. So I can't guarantee someone's going to pick you within a week, but we've definitely had people who signed up and a week later had found their match. Katie, I just have to say how much I love that you keep pointing out the diet Coke thing. That is so cute and funny. And it just, it, it just, it's such like a human thing. Like I am not a diet Coke fan, but I just think of like the little quirky things in life that I enjoy. And if I saw one of those things on someone else's list, I would flip out. I'd be like, Oh my God, they like that one weird thing too. That's great. Yeah, you, you have to find a way to relate because it's an emotional decision and it's, um, it is hard on donors. I think sometimes people think donors just don't want their kids. And, and that's not true. It's like, well, I've had all the kids I can have, but I really care about these embryos. And so if you find somebody who's got a picture of a guy playing a guitar, maybe you're like, hey, he likes guitar. I like guitar. You know, we have something to bond over. And uh, since since you are making an emotional exchange, it's good to feel that, you know, the person on an individual level. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. 
What are the most common questions that you find yourself getting from potential donors and then common questions that you're getting from people that are looking to adopt? I think donors uh, want to know who is going to get their children. Um, some comments that we get is like, oh, I could never donate my child to someone I don't know anything about. And we're like, oh, well, that's why we created this site. So you could get to know the families and, and have a level of interaction in your child's life if you want. Um, donors sometimes want to know, you know, I'm an atheist. Can I donate? Um, or um, I have... 12 embryos. Do I give them all to one family or can I divide them up? And you, A, you can divide them up. <laughs> um, so we've just tried to make, make it easy for donors because they're going through an emotional um, disattachment to something that they might consider their children. And um, I think it's just imperative that waiting families understand that that's a big, that's a big decision. Yeah, for sure. What about questions on the uh, adopters side? Do you have any common questions from them? Yes. Um, many that you kind of brought up, like, can I be older? Can I be single? Um, what are my medical history do I need to have? And basically, if you're a waiting family, you've probably already been to a fertility specialist to talk about, you know, what's going on and why, why am I not having children? And so there's really no restriction. Um, you're going to put all your history or as much as your history of you want in your profile. And you're going to try to find a family who, who fits you. Some, some waiting families have had natural children and they just can't have any more, but that's, you know, a great sign. Like, Hey, I, I was able to have a pregnancy and, and move on. And then other people might say, well, I've never been pregnant. Can I still adopt an embryo? And the answer is yes. You just need to find a donor family, um, who you match with. Cool. Love it. Um, I would also like to know about negative pushback that you hear, both from people that might already know a little bit about embryo adoption, but I imagine a lot of the negative pushback that you get is probably from people that don't really know much about it yet or anything. Um, what are sort of like the common things that you're, like you said, like either getting in your mailbox or that you just hear from people on the street when you mention what you do? I think people uh, have negative emotions about people who do IVF and saying like, oh, well, you made all those embryos, you know, why, why didn't you think about that beforehand? And it's like, well, you don't know how many embryos you're going to have when you do IVF. And so um, I think another common point is kind of what I brought up about, oh, well, you should just adopt a baby. And oh, I, someone said you're a puppy mill and I'm, I, people are just so negative about babies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because people are so negative about children because I think in our society, we value children so highly, which is awesome. And so when something new comes along and you're saying, oh, well, I have all these embryos available, people kind of see that negatively as in like, oh, well, you have been irresponsible. And the truth is that this is just a result of science that has helped millions of people have kids. And so it is a negative to have leftover embryos, but we're trying to help solve that problem and solve a problem of expensive adoptions um, through this, you know, consequence. Yeah. And um, another, another thing that we get sometimes is uh, it, uh, people are very intense on religious 
aspect? I was going to ask you about this because actually in your sort of like about us thing, it, it mentions like in Christianity, it mentions like, you know, uh, God and stuff like that. I would imagine that can be a tough sell for some people because like I grew up Catholic and this uh, I'm, you know, I'm not anymore. Um, but this sounds like it would be, a, uh, yeah, like a tough sell for, for a lot of really religious people. Well, um, we put on our website that we're Christians because we are, and we believe life begins at conception. At the same time, we don't require you to be a Christian to be on this site. And so I think people who haven't been to our site and haven't logged in say like, well, I'm an atheist. Well, we have atheist waiting families, you know, or I'm a Jew. And um, can I be involved? And the answer is yes. And so just because you're an atheist or a Jew or um, agnostic doesn't mean that you have to subscribe to, you know, Christian beliefs or even the belief that life begins at conception. Um, you know, our donors disagree on that. Um, and some donate just because they relate to the struggle of infertility. So maybe before you think, oh, this is just for Christians or this is just for pro-life fanatics, it's it's really not. It's about helping people who want to have children. And so don't go into it with a, a mindset of like, well, I have to have this set of beliefs for me to fit into the embryo donation and adoption community. Because once you get involved, you realize there are people from all over the world with all stripes of beliefs and all kinds of ethnicities and all kinds of uh, you know ideas for that they want for their children. So that's so interesting to hear you say that, Katie. I almost meant that in the opposite way. I feel like this would be something so much easier for an atheist or someone who is agnostic to do. Do you ever get religious pushback, I guess, from other Christians? Like, I, I don't know exactly where the Christian church is on this, like, right now and everything. Um, and I know that, you know, so many people, their their religion is is more personal, and it's not just like, I have to do exactly what the Bible says in every verse and exactly what um, my church says. But I would wonder, like, I guess the church's thoughts on, on things like, you know, storing embryos in IVF and then getting embryos for something like this. Um, and I guess getting that sort of pushback on people saying like, oh, I don't, th- it's, it must not be part of God's plan. Like if I can't get pregnant, then it's not God's plan. And then this, this should not be done then, you know, like we're manipulating God's plan by doing this type of thing. Do you, do you ever get that? Or am I, am I just making that up? No, you know, who gets that is, um, the people who are struggling with infertility. So people struggling with infertility get the friends and family who say like, well, this is just God's plan. And, you know, IVF isn't right for you. And if you were meant to be a mother, you would be. And I know that people think that that's helpful and saying like, oh, well, God has a plan. And look, he does have a plan, but he also created science (laughs) and, and he creates life and he, we, I'm going to, I'm a Christian, I'm going to the doctor and getting drugs if I'm sick. And so I feel that the most negative reaction to embryo donation is a, and adoption are from the people who surround those with infertility. And so, you know, I would just encourage your listeners, you know, if you know someone who is struggling to have a child, I know it's easy. You want to say something to be encouraging, but Pat answers like, well, you're just not meant to be a mom and it, it'll be fine. It's really not encouraging. And so I feel that, um, on our, we have a donors only board on Facebook and we have an embryo adoption and donation group on Facebook. And 
the people who are really sad and struggling in those groups have family members who think they have the answer and are preaching to the the person who is desperate for a child and is sad and lonely. Yeah, and that's so, got to be so hard. It's like it's bad enough just going through that and then having people trying to tell you the way it is is not exactly what you need. <laughs> right. And so, you know, sometimes just an, I love you and I'm thinking about you is the best way to go. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, all right, Katie, I would love to hear a little bit more about yourself and your co-founder and starting uh, the National Registry for Adoption and, and what made you want to do this? Well, I think we had been friends for a long time. So in our book, um, we had just been friends. Um, my husband and I have started several businesses. My husband's an excellent programmer and cre- can create any kind of website, which is very handy if you want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure. And my friend, um, Karis Johnson, her pictures on our homepage at prebornkids.com. Um, she was the one who she just had, I think 12 miscarriages. Um, they did foster to adopt here in our state and they had two beautiful foster girls who came to them barely speaking and they loved on those girls and they fed them up and they educated them. And, Then a grandma said, oh, well, I'm going to take those girls. And so the state took the children away. And, you know, because that's got it. I can't even I honestly can't even imagine what that would be like. That is just awful. So they had been through a lot of suffering. And so uh, some a friend one day emailed her a, a CD on a podcast about embryo adoption. And so she adopted embryos and and gave birth to her adopted daughter. Meanwhile, my husband and I had considered adoption for a long time, and we thought, well, we'll give a a baby a home. And I was at lunch one day with a friend talking about uh, getting ready to start my profile so so a a birth mother could pick us. And I was looking through my pictures and everything, and my friend said, well, you know, I would be your surrogate, and I'd do it right now. And I was floored. And so I went home, and I I talk a lot. I was speechless. I went home, and I (laughs) talked... I talked to my husband and I said, you know, our friend would be our surrogate, you know, if we want. And he said what a lot of people said. He said, well, if we have our own babies through IVF, won't there be a baby out there who doesn't have a home? And the website I was going to use to adopt a child had currently 300 families on it. And I was like, you know, if we go on that site and we try to get a baby, we're going to be edging out some other couple because mm-hmm. of course we were going to be picked because who wouldn't pick us right exactly <laughs> so we did IVF and we had our twins and it was brutal and hard being an entrepreneur and working and having twin babies in your house and so when we knew we had these two perfect embryos left um, my friend who had adopted embryos said I know you guys can make a company and I have the experience of what's going on let's work together so that finding embryos isn't so hard and so donating embryos isn't so hard. And so my husband built the website and we used our knowledge of donating and adopting. And that's how National Registry for Adoption came to be. That's awesome. That's so cool. And that's amazing that you got that name, by the way. Like I I like it's so cool that you got the name National Registry for Adoption. That sounds like some hundred year old like government thing. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like such a it's just a good solid name. Well, I want to give your uh, millennials a tip because when you're looking for a website, what we did is we looked for the letters that were available and then we picked the name. 
<laughs> wait, 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 wait. You mean literally like for an acronym? Like what acronym can we spell out? Yes. So we, we looked through websites. We went to GoData. We put in a million four-letter combos to see which one was available. And NRFA was available. No so way. That is such a good idea. Yeah. So if your friends are you're trying to start a company and you need a name, you know, think about some acronyms or go to GoDaddy, see what four or five letters might be available and then pick your business name to fit. Yeah. Wow. Great idea. Yeah. Because that's such a huge thing. Like uh, you obviously know this if you've started several businesses when you're trying to come up with your name, it is hard. So it's probably better to be limited in some way uh, in, in what you can name it. Well, and you want to pick uh, you know, National Registry for Adoption would be too long for people to spell out, but we're in RFA.org. And then some people could remember that the order of the letters. Yeah. So we searched and searched and prebornkids.com was available and preborn kids is pretty easy to spell. So don't give up people if you're looking to start a business. Keep going through that GoDaddy search until you find something that works. Love it. Love it. All right. Katie, let's wind this thing down and keep this advice train rolling. Uh, what advice would you give people that would like, after hearing this, would like to donate their embryos? Well, I would love for you. We have set up a special page for your half hour intern listeners at prebornkids.com slash half hour intern. So you're at the show right now. You can go there and we have a free downloadable book that all explains about embryo donation and adoption. Um, if you want to share this story because you don't want to have kids yet, but maybe somebody does, or maybe somebody has some embryos, we have a way for you to share that on your Facebook. And then if you want to get started, you can go to prebornkids.com slash half hour intern and start your profile today. Cool. That is awesome. So I will obviously put links to that up in the show notes for this episode. Um, on the adopter side of things, if someone listening to this is like, holy crap, that sounds like a really great option for me to adopt. Um, what advice would you give them? Well, I would definitely have them go to your show notes and click the link so they can get that downloadable PDF. Um, talk to their spouse, have them listen to this episode, and you can start creating a profile as well. Nothing goes live until you're ready. So you can create a profile and work on it before you've ever paid or ever, um, you know, convinced your husband to get on board <laughs> that's such a good idea that's a really good idea on you guys like just business wise and like helping people out wise because so often like if you want to create a profile on something you immediately have to like throw it on your credit card that's cool that you can just sit around think on it work on it and you know not have to worry about like paying right away just to even think about it yeah, give it some thought. Um, you know, read that PDF. Um, if you're already going to, you know, your fertility doctor, um, you can call them and ask about, you know, hey, what do you think about embryo adoption? Sometimes fertility doctors are a little bit negative because they don't make as much money, but they would have known your body and, you know, what's going on. And so I just would encourage you to think about it on Facebook. We do have groups for donors, um, embryo donation, donors only, and then embryo donation and adoption. If you want to like stock those groups for a while, um, there's a lot of ways you can find out information. Cool. Man, Katie, this has been so interesting. As I said at the beginning of this, like I didn't even know that this was a thing and I'm really happy that I do now. Um, I, I definitely already have friends that I want to tell about this. So Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been so great. 
Well, thank you for having me and thank you for getting the word out. And we just really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.